0: Welcome to Network Capital, Srikant. We're thrilled to be talking to you. Today, we're going to dive deep into your career, understand some of the broader trends about the higher education and where TOEFL fits in. So let's get started by uh, you telling us a bit about yourself, your career so far.
1: Uh, thank you, Utkarsh. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, I was originally born in India and uh, got my undergraduate degree in engineering from BITS Pilani, which many of your Indian uh, viewers will recognize instantly. Uh, and I actually uh, worked in a number of different places, so uh, and that included. Uh, two different countries in the Middle East, uh, the UAE and Oman, and then also the UK, before I decided to think about higher education. Uh, Mine was a little unconventional because I was already in my mid-30s before I decided that I needed to go and perhaps do an MBA somewhere in North America. And that's when I took the TOEFL test, um, as well as a, a graduate admissions test at the time and uh, decided to go to Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, in the United States. Got my MBA there and then stayed on in the United States after that. Uh, Worked in cities such as Boston, Chicago, St. Louis, and now I'm finally here in the New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania area, working for ETS out of Princeton, New Jersey, uh, heading up the TOEFL business, which is of course a global business, and uh, the TOEFL test is conducted around the world in over 205 countries at last count.
0: That's fascinating. I was looking uh, after bits. Uh, you worked with Middle East across industries, and then decided to uh, to take up uh, management studies. And that's a trend that I've been observing on Network Capital as well. Many people are really making education a lifelong pursuit, rather than you know the mindset of let's get done with education. And your career sort of exemplifies that. Yeah. Do you wanna tell us a bit about uh, TOEFL's various offerings? For example, what what formats are offered and how is the test used?
1: Absolutely. So just stepping back a little bit, um, you know, the TOEFL test and TOEFL, the TOEFL ecosystem of products that support the test or the tests I should say, because we do have a portfolio of tests uh, really perform one key function and that is it's all about giving people confidence to learn and then operate in an English environment. So, and a lot of people engage with an English speaking environment if they're not originally from it um, through the academic route. A lot of people go to study uh, abroad like I did um, from around the world. And in some cases, you know, they already may be exposed to the English language. They may be even, uh, gotten their education in English. And in other cases, English might have been a second or even a third language. So what TOEFL does is it helps them to bridge their old world with their new. Because English is, of, of course, the global language. Um, apparently, it's a, um, let's see, uh, second or third most spoken native language in the world. But as a language, as a second language that people learn, uh, something like... Uh, Two and a half to three billion people in the world are learning it, uh, and then it the dwarfs any other language being learned as a second language. In contrast, so wherever someone is coming from or wherever they want to go, they have to um, get comfortable operating in an English dominant environment. And so, what the TOEFL test does, for example, is it uh, it it really helps to create an ecosystem where people build confidence in engaging with the English language. And the way the the flagship TOEFL IBT test test does that is by focusing on the academic piece. Mm -hmm. So the, the TOEFL IBT test is a test of academic English. And the most common use case for it is students from anywhere in the world taking the test and demonstrating their academic English language proficiency that allows them to get admission to a university or college or other uh, higher education institutions somewhere around the world. Uh, But of course, it's also used for other purposes such as migration, professional licensure and certification, and so on. But the core idea behind it is not just to get admission to the university you want to go to, but to build your own confidence in the ability to engage uh, in your academic environment through academic English. And so preparing for the test, taking it, and engaging with it, uh, you know, takes you through a whole value chain and a journey that culminates in admission, but doesn't start or finish there. Uh, Now, very briefly, what I should say is that uh, there are multiple different ways to take the TOEFL IBT. In recent years, we've gone from offering the TOEFL IBT in the traditional test center-based computer version, and most people will remember that version of the test, We also now have two additional ways that people can take the TOEFL IBT. Uh, They can take it entirely at home through a version we call the TOEFL IBT Home Edition. And this is the exact same TOEFL IBT, but offered in the comfort and convenience of someone's home, but with high rigorous human proctored security. And most recently, we've also launched the paper and pencil version of TOEFL IBT. So we call it the TOEFL IBT Paper Edition, where a test taker can take three of those skills on paper and pencil in a traditional test center, and then take the speaking section, again in the comfort of home, much uh, as they do in the TOEFL iBT Home Edition. So unprecedented uh, choice of formats, and also access in terms of dates, timings, and sessions to, to be able to take the TOEFL iBT.
0: This is very helpful because so many of our uh, community members come from different parts of the world and the pandemic has changed context in different parts. It's still going on. And it's helpful to know that the ecosystem has an offering for people around the world who are looking for higher, higher education options. Uh, talk to us about the acceptance of TOEFL globally and yeah, what I, are the preferred destinations, uh, absolutely, if Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, So the number that we often share is that uh, TOEFL-IBT is accepted in uh, about 11,500 institutions around the world in over 160 countries. Uh, But I'd like to sort of translate that and say that it has universal acceptance. So what I mean by that is if you look at the English-speaking countries, and those being the U.S., Canada, UK, Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand primarily, uh, where every institution teaches in English. TOEFL-IBT is accepted by every university or college or higher educational institution, right? But when you look at uh, non-English speaking countries uh, where people are increasingly going to obtain their degrees in English and in institutions that teach in English and offer degrees in English. and And just about every country in the world is doing that these days, by the way. So you have countries like Germany and France the Netherlands, if you look at Europe, for example, um, Japan, Korea, China, you could have countries like Colombia in Latin America, uh, South Africa in in the African continent, Malaysia in Southeast Asia. So nearly every country in the world uh, where English is not the main language is offering many degrees and English taught options. And because all the countries are competing for international talent and international tuition dollars. So in any of these countries where there are degrees being taught in English and where the institution requires a standardized English test, TOEFL-IBT is always accepted. So we pretty much have universal acceptance for TOEFL-IBT in the relevant context where the student wants to go. So people can choose the TOEFL-IBT, take it in any of the three formats that I described and go pretty much anywhere in the world from a higher education standpoint.
0: Fantastic. And what about the Indian students' preference? Are there destinations that are emerging as more popular? Are there new destinations coming up?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, we see an increasing diversity of destinations from the Indian subcontinent. Uh, Traditionally, the United States has always been the uh, the destination of choice uh, for many Indian students in particular, but, In recent years, we've seen that uh, other destinations have increased their market share of people wanting to go and study in and actually people going to study in Uh, Canada, the UK and Australia come to mind. uh, And and today, uh, I think uh, it's not just the United States, but it's it's these other three countries that have occupied, uh, I think, a share of the Indian students' mind and attention. And you see that also from the rest of South Asia as well. Um, I was actually on a business visit to the UK and meeting with several stakeholders there last week, including meeting with the, the home office. And they confirmed that there's a not only a lot of growing interest from Indian students, but they're also seeing a lot of uh, applications from Pakistan and Bangladesh um, to pick a couple of other countries in the Southeast Asian region. And, and this is because uh, you know a number of countries have high quality study options. And many countries are competing with each other to offer more options, better quality options, but also more convenient options for students. And some of that also includes post-study opportunities, you know, increased work visa options, uh, more favorable immigration rules, and a broader ecosystem of support and services for international students. And I think, uh, you know, students from the Indian subcontinent are responding in much the way that their counterparts from other places in the world are doing so as well.
0: That's true. I mean, it seems like even in the higher education era, we're seeing the emergence of a multipolar world, multiple hotspots for uh, higher education. And you're absolutely right. It's not uh, an isolated question. There are visa issues, there is employment, there is, of course, English speaking, and uh, TOEFL seems to offer them a really interesting pathway towards it. Do you want to tell me a bit about the new trends that are emerging? And uh, what are you observing about say TOEFL versus other similar tests that might be in the market? And how might we compare uh, other options versus TOEFL?
1: Yeah, um, so good question. Uh, So here's here's the thing I wanted to start off with. I mean, not all English tests are the same. Um, And this is a really important point to make because uh, many of them appear to be similar, right? I mean, and, and testing is something no one really engages in unless they have to take a test, right? So, but when people research the the TOEFL test options, and in this case, let me focus on the TOEFL IBT uh, portfolio, like I described, right? Three different ways to take the IBT. It's uh, quite distinctive from some of the other English tests that uh, people may have as options. So first of all, TOEFL IBT was uh, actually pioneered the category of standardized English language tests. So the first TOEFL test was conceived off in 1963, 1964. So it goes back a long way. And before then there was nothing like a standardized English test. So TOEFL created the category and and pioneered it. So it remains a leader in the space, not only in terms of acceptance and preference, but also in terms of uh, um, quality and innovation. So by quality, I mean, is the test valid for the purposes in which it's going to be used? Uh, and in this case, that purpose is all about being able to communicate in academic English in an academic context in a college or university. And so that's validity. The second uh, dimension of quality is reliability. And in other words, does it measure what it purports to measure in a fair, unbiased and highly accurate way? Mm-hmm. So on, on these quality dimensions, TOEFL does stand above uh, other tests in this field and i can explain why in a minute uh, uh, so let me take the example of uh, uh, let me take the dimensional validity for example right? right TOEFL is the only english language test that has a hundred percent academic english so in other words the english that you're likely to encounter in a TOEFL test the types of test questions and so on are the are all 100% academic. So the content is drawn from college textbooks, typically, right? And the situations are always set in a university environment. And the type of questions, the topics the questions cover, for example, are the kinds of things you would expect to encounter in a first or second year classroom in the United States or Australia or somewhere, Germany, and so on and so forth. So it's not the type of English. That you speak on the street when you're when you're a tourist, for example, mm. it's not casual conversation, right? It's the kind of English you need to get through college in a highly uh, high quality academic environment. Um, if you look at some of the other major English tests out there, even though those tests have names, the name "academic" in them, it's it's not really hundred percent academic. Mm. So the, another major English language test here you know, has only 50% academic English as an example, right? But, but it's been designed for a different purpose. TOEFL was designed to meet the needs of universities and the students that go to university. Um, it is used for purposes other than that, as I mentioned, but that's what it's primarily used for. And because it's a product that's been designed to meet the, um, needs of universities and students that go to universities, uh, in a way that, um, other tests have not been, it no surprises that it's highly preferred by universities. So for example, in the US, nine out of 10 US universities prefer TOEFL over other English language tests. They will accept, uh, typically a US university or universities anywhere in the world will accept maybe two or three different language tests to give students options, but they prefer this one because it's the closest match to their own needs. Uh, In Canada, for example, eight out of 10 uh, Canadian graduate programs prefer TOEFL. Through our research, we found that universities in France and Germany also prefer TOEFL. Uh, And that shouldn't be surprising because of its uniquely valid design in terms of um, academic English. The second point I want to make um, with regard to validity is is that TOEFL-IBT is not just a test of... English knowledge or even English proficiency. It's certainly, you know, it tests some of those things, but it's primarily a test of English communication. This is a really right. important point. So the types of test questions that you have on TOEFL they're simulated experiences of actual two-way communication experiences that happen in a classroom. So it is like, Uh, how do you simulate what happens in a classroom and how do you measure students demonstrating their ability to actually do that? Right. It's not that can you do it by testing the theory? It's making you actually do those things during in the test and directly measuring how well you're doing it. Other tests don't do that. Um, So I'll give you one example of a type of task that's unique to the TOEFL IPT. We call it the integrated task. So when someone is presented with, let's say, a, a reading question, so they're given a passage to read, and then they're given a, a listening piece where they have to listen to another piece. It's related to the same same topic that the reading piece was about, but it's not the same thing. So it takes it brings some new dimensions to the topic, but through the listening format. So then the student is asked to respond, and their response is going to be a... Um, a one or two minute uh, speech. So what the student is now doing is they're integrating what they've read, what they've listened to, and they're gonna translate all that and speak their response or point of view or opinion or whatever we wanna ask them to do in that case. Think about it that, I mean that, so it's not just a a question that says, pick, you know, here's a passage and pick the right answer, right? This is actually what happens in a classroom where they may be asked to read something and come to class. Then they're probably listening to the professor talking to them about something. And then the professor cold calls on the student and they have to stand up and give their response, integrating what they have picked up from multiple sources. So in this particular integrated task, it's a mini simulation of what happens in a classroom, in English, in academic English. And, and, and so this is how the most of the TOEFL test is built up. So so it's the most valid design for that environment, right? The university uh, classroom for academic English. Uh, but let me pause there because that's on validity. I can keep going on. Uh, I can talk about unique aspects of reliability um, that we've built into the test as well.
0: I'd love to hear and uh, mm-hmm. also hear about new trends that you're seeing because being in your seat must be giving you access to a lot of data and information about students' preferences. So we'd all uh, love to hear more about it.
1: All right. I'll definitely get to that. Uh, But on, so on reliability, which is another key thing, right? Is the test measuring accurately and fairly without bias, what it purpose to measure. So let me give you um, uh, a couple of examples of how we do that. Uh, So first of all, So TOEFL IBT has a couple of unique features in its design. One is that it's a, it's a, uh, uh, so in, in the traditional format, right? When you take a test in a test center, all your sections are given on a computer, including the speaking section. So in the speaking section, you're given certain prompts that are displayed on the screen for you and read out to you. And then you're given some time to prepare. And then you're supposed to give your speaking response, and and the response is recorded into the computer. You're not actually talking to a human being, because that could introduce some bias. In in other tests, for example, you may be with a live interviewer who's asking you questions. That interviewer may be from your own country or it may be from some other country. But let's say if you're if you're a uh, if you're a test taker doing a live interview for another test. Maybe you're a student in India sitting down with an Indian interviewer. Yeah. And maybe in another country, let's say if you're taking the test in, in Poland, you may be a Polish student interviewing with a Polish interviewer. What's to say that the, the, the examining culture in Poland is, is maybe less lenient or more, more stringent than the one in India? So the, and the score that's coming out of those two sections, are they directly comparable or not? right? We would argue that there's some inherent bias, cultural bias that's introduced there. And to make matters worse in a situation like that, the person who's doing the speaking interview is also giving you the the score. He's also, he or she is also the rater. Yeah. Right? What's to say that they're not influenced by what dress you're wearing on that day, right? You don't have to worry about that on TOEFL because you're speaking to a computer and those files are then reviewed by anonymous raters sitting somewhere else in the world who don't know you. They don't know any of your information. All they hear is what you've said. And they could be evaluating people from around the world. And so there's no bias in a situation like that. No bias means the scores are very comparable and therefore more reliable. Right? So that's one example of how we build that in. Another example of how we do that is uh, before a TOEFL test question makes it to an actual TOEFL test, we spend, and sometimes could be as many as 12 months, actually um, pre-testing the questions. So what we do is, let's say somebody uh, develops the test uh, test question, and by the way, it's always a human being, right? So A human being That's is writing up the test, and a qualified expert writes the test, and other other people check the question and refine it, and then we actually test the question in the in the field. We we so every t- TOEFL IBD test has a few questions that are not scored and they're there for pre-testing purposes so we want to see how people actually respond to a question from i don't know 50 60 different countries around the world people that have different first languages because we want to make sure that a a question is not more difficult for one cultural culture or first language group than another one we want to do it because it's the right thing to do. It's fair. But if, if a question is penalizing uh, you know, somebody from Brazil compared to someone from Korea, as an example, then it's not reliable in terms of the numbers that uh, you get from the test, right? A lot of tests don't do this. There are some cheap, low-quality tests out there that have gained some prominence where they generate the questions by computer. So instead of taking 12 months to refine a question, they do it in... I don't know, twelve seconds, or whatever the computer can do, right? So it simply doesn't meet the uh, the benchmarks of reliability and fairness that we've established through the uh, the TOEFL IBT tests and also other TOEFL tests. But let me talk about the the trends. Um, uh, some well, of the trends thank you. Before
0: you do that, thank yes, you for please. explaining this in so much depth. I, a lot of people yeah. should know about the parameters on which they should evaluate various tests and then choose what works. Yeah, it's a
1: really good point because, and not to belabor it too much, but um when, when someone is choosing an English language test, right, they should do their research. And I mean it's 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 easy, it's easy to think about, oh my God, I need to take the easiest option to get past this, right? Of course, you know, you want to take something that's that's gonna get you the score you want and get you into your dream institution. There's no question about that. But the how becomes important. Uh I mean, an English language test is just one of the, the many important pieces that comprise your application. You know, the essays you write up or the recommendations you get, your um, you know, class grades or marks, everything contributes to the, the evaluation, right? And when you're doing all of that, you want to make sure that every component is working to your advantage. So let's say if you're a good student, and you've got really good grades in your high school or undergraduate college, and you've done a lot of good things that that has beefed up your resume, (laughs) do you want to take a shortcut on your English test? Take something that is renowned, that is preferred by universities, and that shows that you have the confidence to do well in an academic English environment. So TOEFL iBT allows you to show your confidence and by by, by taking the test that's the most valid there, right? you don't want to have your, the rest of your application shining, and then take a an unproven or low-quality English test, and that could introduce a question mark on your application. And so, so those are things that students should really consider, right? What's right. the overall picture, and how does an English test or other tests that they pick, uh, you know, we, we also have the GRE, for example. You know, they should they should evaluate whatever they're choosing within the context of their overall journey not just think about it as oh my god i have to do what was easiest and get on with it
0: that is correct yeah now let's uh turn the table and discuss a bit more about the emerging trends that you're seeing
1: yeah you know i mean obviously the the pandemic has changed life for all of us mm-hmm. and that's certainly been true i think for universities um and i think you know um, many universities have uh, have been disrupted by the by the pandemic. so one one trend we've seen is that there's much there's more and more uh, a willingness and an embracing of non-traditional uh, learning solutions. So you know we've seen a lot of online options come up when there were none. There are many more hybrid options. We have seen uh, many universities offer very non-traditional pathways. so people can, start with their program in their home country and then do the last two years in a destination country we have seen uh, universities offer more online options so a blended classroom approach so what i would advise our students is that research your options i mean a decade ago you know you had maybe a very traditional path but today you can get value in multiple different paths and each of them has you know uh, It's pros and cons. So doing research and figuring out what your goals are and then mapping these different options to your goals is really important. A lot of students just tend to go for, oh my God, I want to go for the highest ranked university that I can get into. You know, rankings and prestige and reputation, of course, is important. But it's one part of a number of other factors that have to be considered. I always say, uh, you know, don't say, what is the best university? What, the, the right question is, what is the best university for me and for my mm-hmm. needs? And it may be the highest ranked university or it may not be the highest ranked university. Only you can answer that question. Uh, yeah. So I think there are many more options for students as a result of the pandemic. And that, that's, I think, a good thing. Um, I mean, one of the trends we've seen is what we call transnational education. So right. university has realized that. I mean, not every student can afford to spend a huge amount of money and, and move to a different country. And so they're setting up campuses in in countries where they've traditionally drawn students from. And we call that TNE or transnational education. So you've seen universities from the UK, the US and other countries um, set up campuses in say, you know, the Middle East or far, uh, the Southeast Asia, India, in um, and, and many other countries around the world, so that I think gives students even more options to see if they can get a, I don't know, an NYU degree, you, know, from Abu Dhabi, or I, that's where it is. Is it Qatar, one of the two?: uh, it's, Abu Abu it's Abu Dhabi actually.:
0: Abu Dhabi right? <laughs> well, I went there in December yeah. for a talk yeah. that I was giving about my book, and it was really interesting that entire space has uh, NYU Abu Dhabi that is INSEAD. There is uh, Sorbonne and a bunch of other higher education system in a way that's emerged as a hub. Uh, so it basically talks more about the trend that you were mentioning.
1: Yeah. yeah. So the other thing that I would point out is that, um, you know, there's this, this is interesting uh, trade-off and tension between, uh, uh, between whatever, from a university standpoint, there's been this tension between the the need and the desire to enroll more students, uh, and then preserving quality while you're doing that. I mean, during the pandemic, uh, obviously uh, many students postponed or couldn't pursue their plans of studying abroad, and for a while, many universities, uh, uh, I would say, you know, um, got very concerned about that because they have to fill fill classrooms, and and then they, they they became much more open to attracting students, perhaps even lowering some of their admission standards in some cases. Uh, one of the areas I think they started doing that was to start accepting more English language tests to bring it back to our topic here, uh, including low quality and cheap tests that promised a lot of access. But, you know, quality and uh, cost <laughs> sort of go hand in hand here. If you have tests where computers are generating items, as opposed to human beings, where items are not being pre-tested, as I mentioned before, where the computer is marking or rating questions, uh, you know, you have to then question the validity and reliability of such tests. I mean, there are tests where, so in TOEFL-IBT, for example, you know, the typical question is a passage, Mm -hmm. which has got multiple interconnected ideas. It takes you some time to read it and really understand the context that's a typical reading passage right Uh, on some cheap tests they may ask you to just look at a word and ask you to give its meaning and their test of reading might be to ask you to read a simple sentence guess what when you go to a university anywhere in the world (laughs) that's not academic english right being able to read a word or a simple sentence doesn't get you through economics 101 right you need a little more english communication skills to be able to do that uh, but but universities started accepting students with, with with some of these cheap tests and we know for example right now two, two and a half years into the, into the into all of this many universities are getting more and more skeptical about the performance of some of these students they let in right so i can understand so so the needle is swinging back to recognizing that yes it's important to fill you know, fill our classes and get the, those tuition dollars that are all important. But you've got to maintain quality while you do that too. So the pendulum is swinging now. Uh, what we have done, if I may, is we have tried to uh, meet these evolving needs by, by introducing a completely new TOEFL test that we introduced about a year ago. Uh, it's called TOEFL Essentials. It's a completely different TOEFL from the TOEFL IBT that I've talked about before. And what's interesting about TOEFL Essentials is that uh, it's got the same quality as the TOEFL IBT. So everything that I talked about in terms of validity, reliability, all that is built into this. We have designed it as a test with 50% academic and 50% general English, like some of the other tests out there, uh, to have a broader base of usage for it. But I think the most interesting thing is that TOEFL Essentials is half the length of all the other major English language tests, the major established English language tests that are all typically about three hours. TOEFL Essentials is 90 minutes. And it's half the price. And it's offered um, in a convenient at-home format. Uh, it, it also has a built-in uh, videos, what we call a personal video statement. So students can express their personality even beyond answering the questions on the four sections. And that, uh, you know, your admissions officers can actually see you. So you have a chance to strengthen your overall profile. So it has many of these unique things that we've built into it. Uh, it's been launched about a year ago. And, <clears throat> and we're seeing, you know, many more and more universities accept it. I think we have about 400 programs around the world that accept it. And more and more students around the world starting to uh, consider and take the test to meet their goals. So obviously, you know, over the years, we will continue to develop and grow it. So this is, a, this is a test that's been developed for the 21st century specifically to meet the needs that we've seen evolve over the last few years. You know, got to take it at home. It's completely digital. right? Do you, if you don't need three hours to assess someone's true English language proficiency, can you do it in half the time and give the kids a break? Can you give them a break in terms of price? Uh, but without sacrificing the, the core quality dimensions that I talked about before
0: or the academic rigor, which you also mentioned at length.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and what's nice uh, uh, about TOEFL Essentials for universities is that from their standpoint, it, it greatly lowers the barriers for their applicants. Here's a test that's a lot more accessible, affordable, but still high quality. So they can use TOEFL Essentials to attract a more diverse pool of applicants. People that may, may have been daunted from taking some of the more traditional tests but without lowering the quality. That's the key trade-off here we were trying to solve. We wanted them to have their cake and eat it too.
0: Um, interesting analogy there. I wanna turn your attention to the security aspect of it because you know, you're know mm-hmm. you sitting on top of a lot of data, you're in touch with students. Uh, how does ETS manage security of the TOEFL tests? And uh, are there kinds of implications there for students? who test unfairly, say, on a bad day?
1: Yeah, so security is complete, totally paramount. I mean, it's, it's, it's the one thing we, we we obviously will not compromise on because it goes back to what I said before, reliability, right? I talked about fairness and no bias as a key dimension of reliability. Security is the other key dimension. Unless the test is administered in a completely secure environment, why should anyone trust the scores that we issue, right? Yeah. Uh and so we we have an extremely rigorous security framework uh, that's translated to security protocols and policies for any of the tests, any of the formats that I described. So if you're taking TOEFL IBT in a traditional test center, of course you can imagine, right? I mean, when you check in, you know, your photograph is taken, you know, uh, there's wanding that's done, there's biometrics that's done. So we make sure you are who you are <laughs> before you are escorted mm. to your test seat and that you have nothing unauthorized on you. Uh, uh, an advantage with the toefl IBD test is that the test content is delivered to, this, to, the, to the center in the machine at the very last minute. So mm. nobody else has really seen it and so on. And then no scoring is done at the center. It's all done outside somewhere in a central location by people who don't know anybody at the, cent- at the center and so on so we build in a lot of these things and of course every test center has you know multiple proctors that are not only walking the halls but also looking at video screens of what's going on Uh, if you if you have to take a break then you have to re recheck in and all the security procedures are uh, done again and so on and so forth Uh, and of course we have an excellent track record of how you know how secure these tests are run But let me spend a few minutes on the TOEFL IBT home edition as well as the TOEFL Essentials because these are completely, these are tests that are given to you in your home. Right? So a student who wants to take the TOEFL IBT home edition or the uh, TOEFL essentials, you know, goes onto a website and registers and pays for the test in exactly the same way. But now their testing appointment is not a place where they have to maybe drive half an hour or take a a one-hour train to get to. It's right in their home but it's at a fixed time, right? It might be, let's say 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, as an example. So what happens then is that before you show up for your appointment, you're, you know, we ask you to, to run some checks on your computer. And we, we want to be sure that your computer is, is uh, the machine is compatible with uh, the requirements of the test, but it's also secure. And if you pass those equipment checks, Then you bring your computer. So you have to be in a room. Let's say you're in your room in your house. It has to be a closed room with uh, doors that are lockable. You cannot go in or out. Nobody else can be there. And when you check in, there's an actual human being and he or she may be in the same country or in another country, but they look at you through your computer camera. Okay. And then there's a whole check-in process that happens. So they check your ID, they take photographs, all the stuff that happens in a test center. But then what they also do is you are supposed to use your computer camera or an external camera and you are supposed to show the whole room to the proctor. So they will see what's on your desk they'll see what's under your desk. They'll see what's behind the cupboard. They'll ask you to open the curtains. They will check every, every damn thing in the room. And only when the proctor is satisfied that the room is secure, and then they run another check on your computer to make sure there's no unauthorized software on it. And then they, they, your whole computer is locked down. You can't do anything but the test application, right? You obviously cannot have mobile phones. You know, uh, You cannot use it. We don't even allow you to use the traditional headphones that you can use in a test center, mm-hmm. right? So every possible thing we can do to make it a secure environment, we do that and then the test begins and and throughout the test until it ends you're being watched by somebody right maybe a proctor is watching three or four students do it so they can not only see you sitting in front of your computer and doing it through your camera but they can also see what you can see on your screen right and the proctor has if there's something suspicious going on if somebody tries to do something funny the proctor can warn them, and they also have the ability to cancel the test. So we've built in a lot of, um, and all this was that had never been done before, right? When the pandemic broke in uh, February of 2020, we were able to launch this product, <laughs> the TOEFL IBT Home Edition, in six weeks all over the world. And it's been two and a half years. It's hugely successful. You know, students from more than 205 countries have taken it. Hundreds and thousands of, several hundreds and thousands of tests have been administered and scored but all happening in this highly rigorous security environment, but in the comfort of your home, right? So that's an unprecedented innovation that we were able to bring to the marketplace. Of course, it's helped so many students as well as universities uh, because you don't have to worry about, you know, is my country, I'm sorry, is my city locked down? Is it safe for me to go to a center with COVID or whatever it is, right? No problem. You can just take it in your house. If you have a good internet connection, of course. Uh, and TOEFL Essentials, the test we launched later on, um, because we knew we could do this model very successfully, TOEFL Essentials uh, is, is administered things exactly the same way. It's an at-home test with all the security and so on. You remember I mentioned some of the other uh, low-quality tests? Um, you did. I mean, they, they claim to be at-home tests, but but there's nobody watching them, right? They They just rely on, you know, the AI tools proctoring the test taker, and we have that too. So we have you know in the TOEFL IBT home additional Essentials, the state of the art AI tools happening, mm. but they assist the human proctor. They don't replace the human proctor. We don't believe a test is secure unless somebody's watching you. because you know there are so the, the small minority of cheaters there are. they're really smart. They can figure out ways to cheat. And we have to be three steps ahead of uh, people like that. Because that's that's how we are fair to all our test takers and to our universities and others that use this course. So we invest a lot in security to your original point, and And it, it's it's probably the most important area for us.
0: Congrats to you and the team for launching so many different products uh, in a hybrid environment in a condensed time mm-hmm. frame. Must have been uh, exciting. Lastly, I just want to just draw your attention to Uh, implications for students who test poorly say on a bad day is there anything somebody can do towards that end
1: yes yes actually we we, yeah i'm glad you asked that question because um we, we actually introduced a a feature called my best scores and my best scores are available only on TOEFL tests so our competitors don't have that feature at all and the My Best Scores feature is available for the TOEFL IBT tests as well as the TOEFL Essentials test. So what happens in a, in a My Best, uh, Score? So, so typically, uh, there are four sections of the test, right? Reading, listening, speaking, and writing. And uh, people get section scores as well as the total score. So on the TOEFL IBT, for example, each section is scored out of 30 points. And then you have four sections, so the, the total overall is 120. So let's say a student has taken the TOEFL IBT more than once. Let's say they've taken it three times in the last year and a half or something, right? The student can choose which of the scores to report to an institution. Maybe they scored well in the last of the three tests. So, and they say, okay, we want ETS. We want you to report the scores from that last session. And that's fine. So that's the only set of scores that the university sees. But maybe... Maybe the student has scored really well on the speaking section in test number two as opposed to the finally chosen one. Maybe they scored really well on the listening section in the first test they took. So what we did from August 2019 is that every TOEFL score report, in addition to having the set of scores that the student has chosen to report, automatically includes another section to its right and we call it my best score. So what we do here is that we take the highest highest section scores from all valid TOEFL IBD tests the student has taken in the last two years. And then we show those section scores, the highest ones, and then we calculate a new total. So maybe the student has scored, let's say, a score of 90 out of 120 in the third admin that I talked about. Mm. Then my best scores might might now be 105. (laughs) So which means maybe they had a bad day on the listening section, you know, on another day that's okay we're showing them when they did best on listening and for the universities it's really good because because they can see you know maybe the student did badly on something on one day but hey they did so well in the two other times they did the test so maybe right. we don't have to uh, penalize them for that so it, it really helps universities especially if students are on the borderline it, it gives them more reasons to say yes to a student that obviously helps the students as well as the universities. So we call this my best course. And it's, as I said, it's available just on TOEFL tests and all TOEFL tests.
0: That is really helpful to know. Um, Shrikant, we're a global platform, but we definitely have an Indian flavor. So are there any special initiatives taken by ETS for students in India? Um, yes, yes. Um, you
1: know, we are, we are actually um, very active in India um, and have become so more so in recent years. So one thing I want to share is that uh, we, we have recently set up a subsidiary in India. Uh, so ETS India Private Limited. And so we have, um, as, as part of that subsidiary, uh, many more people that are working for ETS India. And they work very closely with, you know, with me and our teams based here in Princeton. Uh one example of how that benefits students is that there's, there's, we're trying to bring in a higher level of customer service and responsiveness. So there are act- there's actually customer service teams based in India that can help students and walk them through some of, the, some of the questions they have and things like that. So there's an outreach center that we now have. I think we have a staff of half a dozen or so that are working actively to in- engage with Indian students both inbound as well as outbound. So that's one example of how we have um, brought in a more local flavor to our long-established uh, global product. Um, and then, um, you know, we are offering so many more sweet deals. For example, we are right now running a promotion uh, specifically for India. So it's not available for for, for the audience. that's not uh, in India. Uh, as you know, students from India... Um, I mean, the majority of them tend to go for graduate education, postgraduate, right, versus going directly from high school to an undergraduate institution. I think about 70 80% of our students from India tend to go for graduate education overseas. So they take the GRE, right, and they also take the TOEFL. So what we've uh, got right now is a promotion, which is a very, very attractive deal. If an Indian student is going and uh, registering for the GRE test, we give them a 25% discount on their toefl test and but they have to buy it at the same time that they're buying the gre test and then they can use that vouch- that discount voucher you know for a certain period afterwards as well so i would encourage your indian students to definitely check that offer out which is time limited and to take advantage of that and, and people have been taking advantage of of that uh, and you know because gre and toefl are from the same company of course there's an advantage if you take a gre and if you take a TOEFL versus another English test, you're going to recognize the, the, the types of questions and, you know, the tone and the, the tenor of the, of the types of questions. Um, so that's just a couple of examples of how, um, you know, we're serving Indian students. We also have, if, if students are working through an educational consultant or an educational agent, and we know many students tend to do that, uh, working with their agent, they may have access to special offers and special training programs, and lots of other resources like that as well. So there's a lot more things I can talk about, but I thought I'll highlight just a few of those for you.
0: This is uh, this has been a fascinating conversation, Srikant. Thank you very much for your time and to your entire team for helping us set up uh, a, a class that walked us through the broader trends in higher education that gave us an overview about how universities look at various examinations, the different business models and different products that your team has created. And finally, the customized offerings for India. I look forward to having um, you back again to talk more about uh, the other innovations that you'll do in the years to come. And I wish you the very best. Network Capital is very happy to be joining hands with uh, uh, ETS, uh, promoting TOEFL among our students. And uh, we look forward to a fruitful collaboration. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Utkash. It was a pleasure to be uh, with you and your team today. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to share some of these insights today.